Hello, welcome to Manitobaville. This is Mahangel, and we're talking today with Dr. Teresa DeKevitt, or Terry, Dr. Terry, as uh, we've come to know. And um, Dr. DeKevitt is organizing, I guess, as one of the main organizers, not organizing. Nobody can organize this kind of event on their own, believe me. Uh, but she's a key organizer at the U of M of the 2022 Turtle Island Indigenous Science Conference, where Indigenous scientists get to come and talk about what they're finding out, what they know to be true, and to blend it into, I guess we call it Western science, um, the science that's all around by the, uh, the bigger culture that has uh, superseded all other cultures. <laughs> um, anyway, just look outside of the crazy weather. <laughs> okay, we'll see how that's working out. So this is going to be good because this is where other cultures come in to say, okay, look, here's, what, here's, here's what's been happening for you know, tens of thousands of years that we know and, and we can tell you some stuff that you might be missing out on. So Dr. Terry is, is um, having a profound experience with this conference and we will learn all about that I will let her describe uh, the conference, who's coming, uh, some of the notable people, what she's looking forward to, and how it has shaped her scientific outlook. And uh, it's pretty interesting. I was pretty impressed with what's going on, and I like that. So, um, yeah, I was pretty impressed with what's going on, and I'm going to look forward to speaking, uh, hopefully, to a lot of the a lot of the people who are going to populate this conference as we as we move along in the Manitobaville Road because we have a keen interest in um, you know conservation and sustainable life and just you know slowing down tapping the brakes here tapping the brakes on the first world culture and um, and and just saying you know it's not all it's not all it's cut out to be it is for some people, you know, the ones sitting on everybody else. I guess it's okay, and for other for other people who, um, you know, are are less empathetic to every everything else, including the planet, and nature, and animals, and the weather system. Uh, maybe they're just maybe they think everything's doing just fine, but uh, uh, something tells me some niggling little feeling says, "Nah, that ain't fine." So we're gonna hopefully. This conference is going to straighten out some things and, and say what's not fine and uh, how how we can look at things differently to change that impact that we are having on the world around us. So listen to this interview and enjoy it because it's a good one. And um, yeah, it's a really good one. So again, Manitobaville is your source, I guess, uh, if you want to get in touch with us on social medias, if you want to tell people about us, just tell them to, to grab their favorite podcatcher and uh, and hit up Manitobaville, just search Manitobaville. And if you want to dial straight into us, then go to manitobaville.ca and you will find us there. And you can send emails and you can make donations and you can do all kinds of good things. You can ask us how to advertise, we will tell you. We will not keep that. A uh, We have scientific information on how you can do that. So we will pass that along happily to you when you inquire 
Okay, so uh, Dr. Teresa DeKivet is coming up right after this little break, and uh, I'll see you on the other side of the interview to, uh, well, I don't know, recap, I guess, put an end on the show to remind you once again about the word Manitobaville and how you can use it on social medias and in your podcatchers. Sure, I'll do that. Okay, so let's take a listen, and then I will come around and give you the keyword once again. All right, here you go. June 14th to the 16th, and we are, fingers crossed, going to be having it in person. We're feeling very optimistic about that based on the mm-hmm. status of the pandemic. <laughs> we're, what pandemic? We're, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> we're through it, right? We're done. So, um, we're done. The politicians we're done. said we're Done. We're not talking about that's this anymore. Honestly, that's that's my opinion it. too. I don't want to so. hear about it. I don't want to worry about it. <laughs> I'm the same healthcare. way. Somebody, I don't was saying, somebody was saying something about the conference. They're like, well, something could still change around. And I'm like, la, 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 la. No, no because that's nope. if, some, if, if you walk up the U of M driveway and it's lined with corpses, that's their yep. individual problem. And that's yes. their individual thing to deal with. Yeah. You just, you just keep walking. You don't I'm look on the same them. path. You yep. don't ask them if they're okay. You don't worry about burying them. <laughs> Our government says you don't have to give a worry. You just keep. You just go to the conference. Just keep going. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Okay. Let's start yeah. over. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, yeah. Okay. So in person, um, and uh, we have a, a jam-packed three days. And if you're, we have a pretty comprehensive website. I'm not sure if you had the opportunity to look at it, but if mm-hmm. you want to cross-reference, okay, anything, then there's a lot up there about the program. Is it this um, one? Is it the event.fourwaves.com website, or is there a different site for it? Well, uh, it is on Four, four Waves. I, I usually go in through its 2022 Turtle Island Indigenous Science Conference is what I have. Um, oh, that's it exactly. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, have it, I have it tagged differently. That's exactly what it is. Yes, I, I wasn't looking at the... Uh, okay. Yes, that's so, it. You're on it. Okay, so event.fourwaves, that's F-O-R, dot yep. com slash, and then it'll get you there if you go... Turtle, Turtle Island 2022 20. slash pages. That's it exactly. Perfect. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. And um, so we have three full packed days of sessions and we've divided it into four separate sessions. And as you know, it's, you know, the whole umbrella topic mm-hmm. is Indigenous science, but we um, have listed the different sessions. So session one is scientific knowledge embedded in Indigenous languages. So it's quite far reaching the scope um, which we wanted to to have that as an objective of the conference. Mm-hmm. And um, we also, so as I said, five sessions. What we tried to do too when we were planning it, so I'm in the dean's office as an associate dean, and my title is associate dean of graduate affairs, but we're renaming it special initiatives because yeah. it's ended up that it's kind of like upcoming projects that okay. need support and attention, then that comes to me and we have a Wawate program that we've launched for uh, to help foster Indigenous students in science and that's come to me and so then this Indigenous Science Conference kind of spans the same thing. So I think, you know, Indigenous success in science is one of the things in my portfolio. So to answer your question of <laughs> how did I get involved, um, but about uh, I think a couple years ago, Steffi Baum, our, our dean at the time, 
had a colleague from Rochester, Roger Duby, his name is, he's on the local organizing committee. They were colleagues back at the Rochester Institute of Technology. And I believe that they, at that time, like a decade, more than a decade ago, had put together a proposal for an Indigenous science conference very much like this. So that was kind of the brainchild. Hmm. And the, the, um, they put in a proposal for funding, and it wasn't accepted. So it was a really well-fleshed-out proposal. And Roger and his wife, Jerry, came up from Rochester, and they were visiting us at the University of Manitoba for about three months with the main goal of trying to see how uh, indigenous science could be promoted and fostered the success of the students for the faculty. So they they came up as consultants and visitors. And then they one of the things that they tackled was to pull out the, the proposal again, look at it, update it, and work with some indigenous scholars. So we have a suite mm-hmm. of indigenous scholars at the in the faculty of science and at the university and to say, okay, like maybe we should give this a go again because it's an excellent proposal and we'll update it, make it more relevant for the University of Manitoba, and then work with those three Indigenous scholars to submit it. And it was submitted to the Sloan Foundation and it was ultimately funded, which is amazing. So we are indebted to them uh, for their financial support because they gave us a great deal of financial support for this conference. So it's it's really amazing. Can Um, I I ask you just one question? um, Sure. At this point, what's the the difference uh, between... Uh, Aboriginal science or Indigenous science, and what we've had uh, as what we would consider just our regular science. Excellent question. Um, so, one of the terms I would say that we use for this approach is two-eyed seeing, and there's a session on that. And the idea, I'm just going to talk around this because it's a big question. Mm-hmm. Um, so is the idea of, of blending Indigenous perspectives with more Western perspectives. And so with Indigenous perspectives in science, one of the biggest differences is they look at things as a whole, so a whole system. So it's not just, um, I'm just going to give some yeah. examples. So is that for including instance, their idea that they, they're going to uh, be reborn in seven generations and they need things to be no. healthy? that well because like, is, is it that big inclusive i don't you know what i don't know i couldn't yeah. answer that i could okay. not answer that i don't know merle ballard or somebody that of indigenous yeah. origins maybe could for you i remember so hearing I that as a kid that. all the time whenever we'd, okay. we'd hear about aboriginal um yeah. stories and stuff first nations and that it was all like yeah. they the, the elders would make decisions based on how is this mm. going to affect our ecology seven generations mm. from now because that's when wow. i'm coming back again and i, and wow, I don't that's... want it to be you know a bad place to live yeah, yeah. Well, that's a profound yeah. way of looking, isn't it? Particularly in today's day yeah. and age of climate change, when they say we have 10 years to turn the earth around. Yeah, and I have um, two years to get reelected. So let me balance yeah. that. <laughs> like, hmm, yeah. What am I going to do? Hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, I hadn't said that. That's very interesting. But the idea is just definitely, I think, respecting the land. Mm-hmm. But from, from the scientific approach, it's, you know, so I'm going to go toggle back to Western, we might look at, you know, tree bark or things at the cellular level and look at a protein in the cell and how does that function. Mm -hmm. So it's very um, kind of dissecting and microscopic and many times where we're looking at things in isolation, Mm -hmm. whereas in the indigenous framework, everything is part of a system and it's all interconnected. And so you would never just look like, look at the bark on a tree, Mm -hmm. you would look at 
where the tree is, is there water, is there sunlight, is there a stream nearby with fish that may be feeding and spawning, you know, like Mm -hmm. everything is interconnected, including people. So it's a systems approach to everything. And you can't pull one thing out without impacting everything else. So you don't just look at the tree. Mm-hmm. You would look at the snowbank and the melting snow and the mm-hmm. mold on the grass and the, the deer poop yeah. because the deer are foraging and that. So yeah. that's one of the biggest differences, I would it's say. It's like my mother it's, would say, you're, you're not seeing the forest for the trees. That's you're too, it. You're too that's close to 100%. something. Yeah, that's it, 100 and I think, honestly, in Western science, I have noticed that there's a bit more of a move to that. The term is systems biology, and mm-hmm. I'm a microbiologist, so systems approach, meaning yeah. you look at it as part of a bigger whole, but I wouldn't say that's inherently the way we've been doing things for the last several decades. And yeah. so that because is Tyson absolutely... encourages it to drill down. You want that grant to find the thing, just, and you have to get super specific to super access specific. certain money yes. to, yeah, and, yep. then, and then you sort of, just by doing that, I can see how, you know, the, and the people doing it are probably like, I, we need to understand how it all works together. But um, my, my funding tells me I have to do right. this. So. Right. Yeah. It's this protein is linked to cancer or yeah. whatever. So I spent two decades looking at that protein in isolation yeah. in that cell and how does it work? Absolutely. Yeah. So that I think okay. is one of the biggest differences is the drill down versus the more um, arm's length approach all the time. Mm. And also, holistic, right? That was the word. Holistic. Yeah. That's a great. That's trying exactly. to remember that word. Holistic. Yeah. Yes. And I tried to do the, that with my podcast. I tried to approach it holistically. Well, good you for know, you. Which is what I we're doing right now. Something to be yeah. to be said for that, like yeah. for everything in life, actually, like really, to, to, you can look at things up close, but then to yeah. always think of it also at an arm's length. So, yeah. um, and then also the power of observation. I would say, um, you know, there may not have been. Um, a specific piece of equipment to measure something, you know, to mm-hmm. a nano, you know, what a nanoliter or some like thing like this, specifically yeah. like an HPLC machine that costs like a hundred thousand dollars. But if you've witnessed something for a hundred years over and over and over and over again, there's mm-hmm. the power of that, that reproducibility as well too. So there, there's, it's, I think it's that's solid, why, unarguable data, really. Yeah, that's why their teepees don't have basements because they can pick it up during yeah. the flood and move. <laughs> and then, well, exactly, yeah, right? And go different common... places, and yeah. Yes, and yeah. I think you know. I, honestly... I always think, I always imagine the first native people watching the first European people at the forks, <laughs> digging basements for their houses, and they must have just been sitting there going. Okay, I'm not even going to ask out loud what they're doing because yeah, just, yeah, like, I hadn't even thought about that. Don't that's they like know what's going to happen? Great yeah. analogy, exactly. <laughs> and look at us, 100, exactly. 150 years later. I need well, sandbags. Why? Well, I, dug of, like, <laughs> I dug this hole. Lo- like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like the laws of common sense, right? Yeah. That we sometimes don't even yeah. look at anymore. That you yeah. pass on that common knowledge from generation to generation. That wisdom, yeah. which gets lost, I think, with the you know the just piles of minutia that we take in, and that without realizing just mm-hmm. common sense. So, so I would say that's another thing as well too. Is that there's just an amazing amount of knowledge that gets passed down through storytelling is another thing too that we're learning mm-hmm. um, as we have the indigenous scholars give talks it's really amazing how what gifted storytellers they are and that yeah. that is how information is disseminated and the impact of storytelling you know how it resonates with you versus mm-hmm. maybe reading a journal article can be quite dry mm-hmm. um, and we're actually teaching a course on scientific communication to our grad students and we're talking about the the power of storytelling and narrative Yet 
you know, a lot of true Western scientists or, or mainstream Western scientists might balk at the idea of storytelling mm-hmm. because, you know, you're supposed to present the data as a hard data and, you know, a graph is a graph and that, yeah. but really it's very powerful if you're trying to persuade people of things, you know, and you want to make an impact and make the information tangible to different groups. They may not be subject matter experts, but isn't, you need but to isn't find that a the way other of thing making it where... resonant where science, because you are writing a, a paper and it is fact-based and it is evidence-based and research-based and it, it gave these uh, results, you yeah. shouldn't have to story tell that. I think Western people see that these are the facts and this is science and this shows I, you know the what? result. So I guess it's, uh, yeah. it's it's hard to overcome that too, right? That's exactly, that's exactly yeah. I think, what it what it is. You hit the nail on the head yeah. with that. So, so yeah. yeah. But, you know, even within that context that we were talking, there there's some people that are, you know, Western scientists that say to you, shouldn't negate the power of a story as well. Mm-hmm. Your data can tell a yeah. story, you know, make sure you have a flow and a start and a yeah. finish and a context for your reader, because people don't want to just have a barrage of data points either. It <laughs> yeah. needs to mean something. And acronyms um, and numbers. And that's and, it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So you, you need to bring, you know, your, your reader along with you. And I've certainly mm-hmm. noticed that too. I've, I've had some phenomenally well-written papers, not by myself, but other people. And I've, I've specifically earmarked them because of their flow. You mm-hmm. know, they, they had a narrative. It was amazing paper, incredible yeah. results, but they managed to do it in a way that was very digestible. You know, a number of things led us to this conclusion okay. first, and then they present this piece of data second, then this piece mm-hmm. of data. And you're like, okay, I'm being drawn along. I'm yeah. being, they're sharing. I was sitting under a tree process. one day when an apple <laughs> fell on my head and exactly, I thought, exactly. you know, this happens a lot. Why do these apples fall this direction? <laughs> hmm. And, and then, you think yeah. about that, too, yeah. that personalization, yeah. right? Like you can't do that with everything, but if you can, then it often resonates with your audience. And, and it's so like, there is and it, room it is, for it. Yeah, and it's myth-making because they always say uh, Isaac Newton didn't, wasn't really sitting under a tree and an apple fell on his head and that, but he, he created that sort of origin myth for his discovery yeah. so that people yeah. would remember what he's people talking about. People would remember, yes. Yeah. And so I think there's a time and a place for that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, so that again would just be another, I would say, defining difference in mm-hmm. the way that information is passed on between Indigenous um, peoples versus Western science, where we tend to, you know, do it through journal articles, more like writing down. I would say would be a common way of of mm-hmm. recording and documenting versus versus yeah. uh, oral communication. Well, so, it's, it's like it's like a transcribing oral tradition. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think those are two of the, the most high level kind of um, substantial differences between the approaches mm-hmm. with Western and, and Indigenous. And so um, in the Faculty of Science, we are trying to embrace the idea of this two-eyed seeing. And so it's not that one or the other is correct, but there's room for both mm-hmm. in the perspectives. And it's a lot stronger if you combine the two. Uh, in all situations, basically, in our teaching and our approach to looking at things, as we can see, just like you were saying, right, you you write and you, you're going to look at on the micro scale, but at the same time, you're always trying to do your podcasts and look at the holistic thing too, like how mm-hmm. does that small part fit into the bigger whole? Yeah. And so that would be the thing that we're trying to embrace as well too, that, that there's a lot of power. There's one thing to say, okay, the stream is contaminated and now there's algae growing on it and, and it's 
you know, it might also then be, well, what's happening with the weather and the sunshine and the leaves dropping down? And was mm-hmm. there more deer poop? Because, you know, there's poach- like there's so right. many other things that could be causing it that if you look at the whole, that you might see things very differently than if you come at it just by deep diving right away, I think you're going in a little bit with blinders on, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's definitely room for, I think, both approaches blended together. Yes, you want to write stuff down, but if there's a power of storytelling and you can infuse that and allow people to have some kind of take home, either through analogies or personal experiences or whatever that is, mm-hmm. to connect with your audience so that they retain it, retain it and it, it resonates, then, then that's part of, I think, our responsibility as scientists is to become good communicators. Because right. we're also in an incredible time of misinformation, as we well know. Um, well, you're all lab geeks. Scary. That's all we see. Oh, look, they got a white coat on and safety glasses, yes. and they got the beakers yes. and the smoking blue chemical, and yeah, you know, and they're yep. they're trying to figure out what this one thing. And I can't talk to that person. Like, come on, what are we going to talk about? You know? Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. being able to communicate to yeah. a technical audience and a non-technical audience yeah. of different uh, different levels, and to try to that's with that scientific communication uh, workshop series we're offering to grad students. The two questions we ask them all the time, every class is who is your audience and mm-hmm. what is your message? So mm-hmm. it's like, what's their level, yeah. right? Like what is the level that they're at? So, so, you know, what, what uh, language do you use, you mm-hmm. know, technical or non-technical and, and then what, what is the key things that you're trying to get across at mm-hmm. the end of the day that they're going to get out of, out of your talk? And, and I think if you can it, peel that back, it's a very important thing to perspective when, for students to start to learn and even for, yeah. for more seasoned researchers, honestly. So. Yeah, it just clarified in my mind. It's a, it's a Bond villain is what you're going for. Because the whole movie, you see all these factories and the high tech things are, you know, they're working on the big bad thing. And it's yep. all high level science and they got the best scientists in the world that are, you know, working for the, the greenback and they're there for the, you know, <laughs> and then, and then when Mr. Bond's in the, uh, tied to the chair, the villain comes <laughs> out and says, now look, here's what I'm doing, Mr. Bond. You know, it's like, what's all that for? It's going to make big boom. And here's why, and here's how, and, you know, so they're telling the story of the science behind what they're doing, you know, yep. and, and they're, and they're great communicators yep. in that moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hadn't thought about that. That's funny. So there it is. There you go. It's been in front of us this whole time. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so so this is, and does it flow the other way? So is it like giving um, Indigenous people microscopes and saying, you know, what what will you see from your from your perspective if we give you these tools? I, I would say yes. Um, and I know as well from speaking with our Indigenous scholars and some of the um, Indigenous uh, community members that have been brought onto campus to talk about different initiatives, there is a lot of interest too in partnering mm-hmm. with Western scientists. So it's not like Indigenous people think that their way is better. But no, no, yeah, app- yeah. apparently there's been a lot of frustration yeah. that because they have had, you know, hundreds of years of observational, you know, knowing the trends of the land and mm-hmm. that they have a great deal of on the ground land knowledge or water knowledge of of how things happen. Mm-hmm. And so 
the Western scientists will come in and say, no, no, you know, we're going to take our water samples here, here, and here. We've already like, you know, done satellite mm -hmm. imagery and that. So not a full appreciation for all of that inherent knowledge, which is so powerful. So mm -hmm. that's what we've gathered is that there's a lot of desire to partner and work together to solve the problems, right? Because if, you know, yeah. especially if it's happening in a community and it's an environmental contamination or water flow issue or whatever the problem is, they want it fixed too. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's, and, and using the, the techniques and everything, but they also want to have input as to what they've observed mm -hmm. and where else the sampling could take place and that. So, so again, more of a, a shared partnership of, of their experience knowledge along with, you know, maybe the satellite imagery and the, yeah. and the, the experimentation and that. I don't think there's any shunning of that from what we've seen. It's, it's okay. just that being dismissed is the frustration. Yeah. Okay. Last question, then we'll get into some of the sure. participants. I'm curious mm -hmm. to hear what you have to say about uh, the specific people that will be speaking at the event. Um, the, from the Indigenous perspective, um, what we've done to the landscape through agriculture, rerouting water, uh, we have mm. major drought issues because the water won't stay. We have major mm -hmm. water issues because the water won't stay or there are floods and then it, it doesn't stick around. So, mm -hmm. um, and we got mm -hmm. certain forage, uh, ranchers who are like, no, you got to leave the root systems. You have to do it this way, you know, and they're trying yeah. to lead the way, but they're very, they're like a pinprick on a, a big map. And, yeah. and the most, and the more I look at satellite of, of Manitoba and you think, oh, I'd like to live in the country, but not there because I'm surrounded by crop fields and, and fertilizers and who knows what, and what's the water doing yeah. underneath. And yeah. And, yep. and when the Aboriginal person looks at the landscape now, they 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 probably don't recognize it at all because it's been totally reshaped from the way it was found and the way yeah. they left it. Like when they're when yeah. they were moved off the land and said, "No, no, you can be like us, live here, you know, mm -hmm. don't don't follow the food, don't follow. We're going to grow the food now. We're going to farm the food. Mm -hmm. Don't worry, we'll just you know that's how we do things." And it's so mm -hmm. antithetical to how they have been processing the land for you know tens of thousands of or longer mm -hmm. of years mm -hmm. is there it is there sort of a frustration level do you find um from the indigenous perspective to say well thanks for letting us in now but yeah. you kind of wrecked the game and uh, and it's and and to get it back to that i don't even know if you could push back against big ag like to yeah. to sort of reclaim like what the landscape should be you know so there's you a know, question in there and i'll, I'll leave you to find it yeah <laughs> I'm sure there is intense frustration. Mm. You know, I, I can't answer that not being indigenous person. I'm just trying to, I, I absolutely resonate with what you said with the examples of that specifically. And I'm just going to share a story. And I don't know if there's an answer to that question in my yeah. story, but Merle Ballard is one of our indigenous scholars. And uh, she was from the Lake St. Martin area and her husband, Dennis is uh, our lead for the Wawate program for the student success in in science for indigenous students. And so she did a presentation last summer and it was so impactful. And so um, Dennis was also talking, it, Merle and Dennis have been married for a long, long time. And they had pictures of the area that was all flooded out basically. And it was because, and I'm, I, I'm, I have really bad ability to retain details. So I don't know if it was Manitoba hydro came in, but they basically were diverting water, like what mm -hmm. you're saying. So they came in, they had all of their experts come, you know, and say, we're going to do this, maybe yeah. build a dike or whatever it was, and it will divert the water around and it'll be fine. And they totally mucked it up. Like mm -hmm. they didn't 
have the right information. And so, you know, the water didn't percolate into the ground at the rate they expected. So it ended up just being a massive flood and the whole area was destroyed. And it was so heartbreaking because Dennis was describing, you know, he said, I remember I used to, you know, close the gates on the cattle at Merle's mom's place. And if there were apparently like cattle just like washing by in the river, like it was just so heartbreaking to listen to the story of, this mismanagement basically Mm -hmm. of coming in and saying, you know, we're going to do this and then we're going, and then you're going to ultimately, they ended up having to move. And I asked the question, I said, do they get, do you get moved to like, what would be a comparable? Do they make an attempt to have comparable? And they're like, you sort of get what you get basically, you know? And so again, it doesn't really answer the frustration question, but my, my gut would say it must be intensely frustrating, you know, like sort of, (laughs) too much too late or too little too late I think yeah. but you well, would get a better more authentic response from somebody that's lived it and an experience so that's just me supposing well maybe you can query a little bit on along those lines at the conference just for perspective mm-hmm, mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. i'm sure it's going to be very very enlightening yeah. the more so one of the things merle does too is she interviews people and videotapes them and that's really profoundly impactful i have mm-hmm. to say like seeing you know grandma's weeping because yeah. uh, telling stories like that or their water is contaminated and they can't make lemonade for their grandchildren mm-hmm. and that like you know it's one thing to hear things and it's another to listen to a mm-hmm. human yeah. telling this again the power of storytelling this incredibly gripping situation of of what their existence is like mm-hmm. and and many of the egregious things that have been done and rights taken away and land taken away mm-hmm. and all of these things, you know. So I think we're just starting to really have an appreciation, or at least I am, um, and as a culture, I think, too, of, of really putting ourselves more in that position of what that would feel like. And that's what it all comes down to, right? It's like one thing to hear about it. It's another just to think, oh my God, what Mm. would happen if, you know, all of a sudden the city of Winnipeg says we're going to build this and my house is washed (laughs) away. And like, you know, it's Mm. just like, what? No, that's impossible. But, uh, but it did happen. And uh, so anyway, so I, every time I go to anything because of the, authentic nature of people telling stories and that I'm always blown away by it. And it just moves the needle that much further for me to have an appreciation for the, the intense suffering that's gone on and the acts and, and how much we need to mm-hmm. start to try to right some of the wrongs. So. Yeah. And it seems there's people in charge who are highly immune to emotional yes. responses. And yes. in any meaningful like zero way. empathy, yeah. right? Like because they're like, oh, yeah. we can't push business in that direction, or we can't tell Big Ag, you know. And it's like, well, yep. you're you're in charge of the place. You can tell them whatever you want, and maybe yeah. we can make a difference. But yeah, there just always seems to be that 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 big burn that's just you can't get the water to splash over. You can't get the ideas to penetrate that. My so. only hope is that the next generations, like the younger generations are so traumatized, I think, with climate change. So yeah. regardless, it's just non-Indigenous, they're just much more open. You know, well, that's the other thing, too. Every You know, you say, well, maybe the next generations can, or, you know, we always we're sort of fall yeah. it off. And, and people say, well, we can't really change because it'll take years to... And I'm like, we could do it tomorrow as a yeah, society. I, I, we could do so much just like, okay, done. We're just done with this, and we will fix I agree. our perspectives, mm-hmm. and we will find a new way to do things, but we have to fix these I agree. primary things. And we can do it yeah. now. And then yep. we can take the hit along with the yep. next generations now. But yep. 
it, yeah. it's always this, you know, well, we want to live out our lives with cable TV and internet. So no, <laughs> no, you know, two, I know. two generations than, from now, they can, they can deal with just living one, on a rock again and trying to figure out 1, how to catch a fish. It's the, it's the big egg you thing. Know? That's the only thing. Like, I just, yeah. I don't know in our, like, honestly, in our generation, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I just have this feeling that the big egg thing might be hard to turn over in a short period because I'm, I'm so on the same page as you about you know what we all just can do our own little bit of things and you know and you there are more and more organic farming you know people that are looking there's more education on tv with the internet great shows on like i forget it was called kiss the ground my husband and i were watching on netflix like it was just amazing Mm -hmm. you know about just try and go out and buy it by 80 acres in the middle of somebody's grain field and see how how resistant they are to selling it to you to do anything with there's like hands off pal you got to stay away from this yeah. So, so it's, it's definitely yeah. not easy, but I mean, I, mm. I just, I'm hopeful. <laughs> I'm well, hopeful. Well, high finance we people, move. yeah. High finance people, politicians, big business guys, they always say, they're always fond of saying, well, you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. Right. So I'm yeah, like, okay, yeah. let's start breaking eggs then. Let's make a big yeah. omelet here. Like, and, yeah. and if you guys aren't going to be the billionaires anymore and you're going to have to suffer your dignity. So what you, yeah. I mean, the earth's the earth, right? Like we can't totally. Yeah. yeah we're going to have and, to change something. It's, well and that. I'm not that I'm not that yeah. enlightened on the whole thing, but oh, I no, know no, I've, no, I've no. heard some amazing yeah. people talking just also about you know the third world country or the up and yeah. coming I should say third world but up and coming developing countries right that are doing a lot of the climate yeah. damage right yeah. but they haven't had the opportunity before so mm-hmm. then it's like well the more um, developed countries should be paying a very large tax to help them, you know, not burn coal and that, right? Like it, yeah. it we share the same air, we share the same climate or mm-hmm. the same, the same globe. Yeah. So we, we are just advanced and have had all these luxuries for many, many, many more decades. And so they now have the ability to do these things, but at the cost yeah. of a lot of, you know, carbon um, burning and that sort of thing. I'm yeah. not saying it right, but what, you know what I'm doing, contributing what, to climate change, but we yeah. have to help. We have to be part of their advancement towards like all of us together have to work and it may be billions of dollars of taxes for us mm. to do that. And we may have to cut back and yeah. not live our highfalutin lifestyle, but well, that's if it's the thing. save the freaking planet, then yeah. this is what we need to if do. If we can so, show those, yeah. those developing countries, what kind of people we've become, they mm-hmm. might not want to emulate it. Yep. That's the, yep. that's part of it too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They're yep. probably a lot nicer people right now still as they're trying to, to, to find their way towards our lifestyle. They're probably mm-hmm. worth saving as a, as a community and as mm-hmm. a, the people who interact on a human level, because yeah. if they could be ported into here and see how we just sit in front of computers and don't really talk to people at stores and we don't know our neighbors, they'd probably be mm-hmm. freaked out and go, okay, we don't, <laughs> we don't need to, uh, during yeah. the industrial revolution we're we're doing just fine at home you know? yeah yeah well even like the whole fast food right and all the obesity and health oh, yeah. issues that we have that come along with it so there's yeah. a lot of there's it's a double-edged sword absolutely oh, people being mad because the price of insulin won't be regulated or brought down like is there in something in the states and they're like some senator mm-hmm. voted against and i'm like okay let's let's go back two steps and say why is there an issue with why does everybody need insulin like, yeah these are type 2 diabetes these are not they don't have they're yeah. not born diabetic that something made them that I way know. so yeah we never we never go back far enough in where the problems were and give the help needed so anyway yeah uh, yeah <laughs> i won't dwell on that anymore i want to learn more about now the fun part okay. who's who's coming what did they do and uh 
what makes you uh, excited to meet them? Okay, that sounds great. Well, I have to say I haven't like super boned up on all of the speakers I've been invited in advance of this, so hopefully you can. Uh, um, so what we what we did when we were uh, doing our planning as the local organizing committee, and we decided on the five sessions, we um, thought it would be great to try to reach out to other faculty members to invite them to participate, or other faculties, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. um, across campus to make this as inclusive as possible, because Although it's a faculty of science kind of hosted event, we want to have a large draw both at the U of M campus, Manitoba, Canada, and beyond. Okay. And so, um, so we have different people acting as the session chair. So we have two chairs for each session. And so we have um, some session chairs from the Faculty of Agriculture. We have some from the Center of Earth and Observation Science, so CIAS. Uh, which is the Clayton Riddell Faculty of the Environment, or they have a long name, mm -hmm. Faculty of the Environment, Earth and Resources. We've got Faculty of Kinesiology and Recreation. And again, we thought this will help, you know, bring people into the fold, amplify the message, and then hopefully have a big draw mm -hmm. across campus. And so from that point, um, we identified people that wanted to participate. And then they basically, we had some suggested speaker lists that we thought, might be worth um, seeding their minds with, but we said, you know, go figure out on your own if you have other ideas, contacts, you want to look things up, by all means, you know, come up with a short list. And then uh, we, we chatted it out with each of the different sessions and then the invitations went out. So we ended up with, I think, a really exciting roster of speakers that are coming from across Canada. And we've got some from the U.S. as well. I don't think we have any outside of the U.S. actually. Hmm. I think that's as far as we got. Mm -hmm. Oh. COVID and all that's a little crazy. Yes, yeah. National University and, oh, Jürgen Kremner, sorry, National University and University for Peace Costa Rica. So oh, okay. we do have one person. So that's about it. But yeah, and COVID, that was the other thing too, because we've been in the planning process for about a year. Mm -hmm. So of course, it wasn't even yeah. clear whether it was going to be virtual or in person. We were hoping for in person and people are a bit hesitant to commit to, right, to mm -hmm. travel and that sort of thing with with things being so touch and go. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think we have about, we were also hoping to get a, a solid contingency from Canada as well. It's a Canadian, you know, we're hosting it at a Canadian mm -hmm. institution. We should be proud. We have a lot of impressive Indigenous um, researchers and, and scholars across Canada. So, mm -hmm. so that was one of the things we were looking to do too. There was, we really did want to populate the majority of speaker positions as Canadians. So I, I should backtrack and say that that was, that was premeditated when mm -hmm. we were going through the list to make sure that we were showcasing our Canadians. Um, awesome. Yeah. Right on. Okay. So who stands out for you then? Who are you most excited to uh, hear at the conference? Okay. Well, I am our plenary uh, speaker, uh, James Makokas is uh, a medical doctor from Edmonton, and he um, has a medical practice. I think he does some research as well, uh, but he specializes in uh, trans transgender uh, patients, I guess, and care for trans mm -hmm. transgender individuals. Uh, he, this is just an aside, but he was, uh, I think, the seventh season Canadian race uh, winner with his with his partner oh, Anthony, okay. and so I think he he just seems 
like when I've been reading his bio and what he's been doing, he, he and even just looking at his picture, mm-hmm. he looks like an amazing individual. Like with, <laughs> I did watch, I don't watch the amazing race, but yeah. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I think, um, I also, you know, just, we have been working with the speakers bureau of Canada because they represent him because he's mm-hmm. highly sought after. Okay. Um, so with just the whole logistics of getting him, he's unfortunately not able to come in person, but you know, just with them explaining the situation, he's a very dedicated practitioner and, you know, he, it goes to communities that are a little more um, remote and with COVID and that, you know, just he mm-hmm. can't really bounce around the country and travel and potentially pick things up. So yeah. he seems like a really invested medical practitioner. So I, I think he's going to be any, he, he seems young and yeah. energetic and hip, but I think the whole trends, you know, gender practice focus on that. I, I think it's going to be absolutely amazing to listen to his perspective. Yeah. So I'm very excited about that. You should have put a time um, limit and a prize associated and he would have been here. Yeah. <laughs> he would have taken a train and a boat and a car. Yeah, and a yeah, yeah, yeah. And, That's so okay. cute. Look That's at it. So go, oh, my God. Now we left. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I watched yep, one of those and... shows once and I got really tired. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. I know they do Stephen Crest. And, and I'm like the worst navigator when they used mm. to have the paper maps. I was forever like turning them upside down. And oh. my husband would be like, do we turn here or not? And I'm like, I can't follow yeah. like my finger and be along the line. I'm like, oh, oh shit, yeah. I can't. Care. So thank God for navigation systems yeah, like on your phone and it, everything. So, well, exactly. yes. But it's fun driving with somebody and, they're, and they have the phone in front of them looking at the map, but you're heading south. But the top of the map yeah. is north, and they're they're trying to. <laughs> you got to explain to them, turn it around. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, another person that I'm excited about is he's on our local organizing committee, but Dr. Roger Duby. He's from the Rochester Institute of Technology. Um, and I mentioned um, him before too. So he was the one that has been to the University of Manitoba for three months and okay. helped us. Uh, established the conference as well as our Wawate program. Mm-hmm. And he has been documenting and following Indigenous scientific discoveries across centuries. Okay. <laughs> so kind nice. of like cataloging, you know, how advanced Indigenous societies always have been, civilization mm-hmm. societies, um, and just how misinformed our interpretation of, you know, that it's, populations of people that are living off the land and hunting and you know skinning mm. animals and trades and that but actually they've been making extremely advanced discoveries with precision accuracy that rivals mm-hmm. top equipment now <laughs> they yeah. say it's kind of like you know how did the egyptians build the pyramid type yeah. concept just to yeah. give you where i'm going with that like it's yeah, like you come here how and, was and, that possible yeah. well aliens obviously thing. aliens yeah, yeah, it, right yeah. Because you know, why, why would these people be able to do anything? They're why would us. they be able? Yeah, yeah, it's just sticks and rocks. Like, yeah. how is this? Exactly. So so that, so that he has, like, a number of really, mm. really exciting um, nice. stories and examples of that that I think are going to really, like, blow people's minds that, that haven't heard of that idea before to realize how advanced um, indigenous indigenous populations have been for, for, for centuries, basically, ahead of Western science with yeah. that. So I think that's going to be a really neat... I mean, I think they're all going to be amazing, but just some things that stick out in my mind that mm-hmm. I know I'm going to be um, looking towards. Uh, we have, so we have a, a science 
STEM, uh, so novel STEM education approaches that include the Indigenous way of knowing is one of our sessions. So I'm excited about that too. So that's going to be um, uh, a number of different individuals we've listed. Uh, somebody, Emily McKinnon, is from the University of Manitoba. I work with, with her. She's part of our access program, which is for Indigenous students getting into the university. Um, I know she uses a lot of different approaches. And so I'm excited with that too, um, to listen to people, how how they're bringing in those Indigenous perspectives, because that's something as a faculty we're trying to do too. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a lot of faculty members that are very open, that are more conventional Western scientists that are open to these ideas, but they don't have a clue how to go about doing it, right? And you don't want to come off as inauthentic because we're not Indigenous. And so Mm -hmm. you don't want to be doing things that don't represent who you are or or like I say, come off as inauthentic. And so I think that that's going to be a really impactful session to open our eyes into different different approaches that we can bring into the classroom and even into our research approaches. And then that's going to finish off with a panel discussion. And we have uh, six people lined up for that, five people lined up for that, and including some students. So I think that's going to be neat to hear from them, um, their experiences in the classroom and their background and Indigenous, you know, heritage and that and, and their future of because a lot, some of them are grad students, you know, what, mm-hmm. what they see moving forward. So I think that's going to be a nice highlight too. And a panel is always a nice kind of cool way of, of interacting with the audience. Mm-hmm. So those are some things that are jumping out at me. Um, uh, we've got Marsha Anderson from the University of Manitoba. She's part of the Department of Medicine. She's an excellent speaker. So I'm excited about uh, her perspective. Again, I haven't really done a lot to dig too much out for you here on this. Mm-hmm. These are just kind of ones that I'm familiar with that I know of, you know, that's coming up. So, yeah. um, well, well, again, if anybody's curious, like the, the let me just find this website again because it's yes, uh, I would direct them to that because there is yeah. quite a bit of information in the bios of the people and headshots, mm-hmm. and we're posting abstracts. We've asked the speakers for abstracts and, and session titles, so as those are coming in, we're populating the website with that. Um, so there's there's it'll continue to keep to keep getting more and more information. So yeah, and that that'll be in the show notes. You can just pot, uh, click on it, and then it'll take yes. you straight there. That'll be great. Yes. Yes. Nice. Um, um, and then we're going to have our closing banquet at the Human Rights Museum, which I'm extremely okay. excited about. So, you have a band? Um, you, have a band? No. <laughs> you know, we don't actually, yeah. but we are talking about what we're going to do. So um, for entertainment, because um, we're talking about possibly jingle dancers, maybe some mm-hmm. fiddlers, and I, uh, I guess the Inuit, and I you know it's throat singers, throat I believe singing, is the yeah. term, so, yeah. throat singing. So, you know, we're just kind of reaching out to people on the organizing committee to see if they know of, of people that we could contact. Obviously, we have a bit of a budget, so mm-hmm. we can't, you know, have a huge yeah. show, um, but we would, it would be great to have representation from all three um, mm-hmm. groups, you know, Inuit, uh, Métis, and uh, First Nations. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we can swing that financially, but that would be nice from an inclusive perspective. So we haven't lined that part up. <laughs> we're, we're working on the menu. We've got the menu down. We're going to, it sounds, it sounds absolutely, I've never eaten down there before, but my yeah. gosh, it sounds amazing what they're offering. So nice. yeah. uh, we're super excited about that. And, um, and yeah, just, you know, I think we'll have an elder do a prayer 
so I think it's going to be a really amazing way to finish things off. We have access to the museum. It closes at five. And so we have access from five o'clock on to the museum for people to walk around, sort of a private viewing, which mm-hmm. is, I think, an amazing thing to start with. And it's such a beautiful spiritual place anyway. And mm-hmm. then dinner starts about 6, 6.30. And so then we'll have opening remarks from our Dean, Brian Mark, and we're going to have an elder prayer. And then, like I say, hopefully some some entertainment. And I think it's, I think the whole three days is going to be, for me, yeah. very you know, it's, it's going to probably yeah. shift my life. Like, I think, you know, oh, just my yeah, whole I perspective, yeah. I think it's going to be very spiritual. And I think there's going to be a lot of connections with people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be very different than any conference I've ever participated in. I've only participated in more of a Western science conference mm-hmm. before. And I think there's going to be a lot more about connectivity and um, uh, recognizing and appreciating diverse perspectives. Like, I think there's going to be themes like that that are going to be continuously coming through with this. So I hope that there's a lot of positivity and uh, and connections made. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And hopefully this will be the first of more. You know, this is the inaugural one that we're having. I think I don't know of any other ones that have happened in Canada in recent years. There's been a lot of interest. We're very excited. Uh, we have over 80 people registered already, which given that the conference is still 11 weeks out, is mm-hmm. a good that's good registration and that's not from any of us or any of our speakers that's just outside people um there's a lot of the russian bot farm to uh, to yeah (laughs) nope they've actually (laughs) paid for their tickets (laughs) we're charging yeah exactly (laughs) authentic people and uh how many can you have how many what's the the attendance capacity you know i think i think we could probably swing up to 500 in terms of room capacity Mm -hmm. That's what we that's what we've we've got with our we're in the multi-purpose room at the university center. We would be we'd be chock a block full. I don't mm-hmm. think we would hit that much. I'm I think three hundred would be likely the upper cap that I would expect. Um ideally I was hoping we'd hit 150 or more. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, just in my head, you know, thinking for the first conference that I've been to since the pandemic, yeah. that would be, I think, excellent. Well, you'd be and excited we, and, and apprehensive, I guess. It's that, yes, the same yes. feeling, right? I, I think that that's it. So yeah. I was like, yeah, if, if we had 150, I think that would be a real success that we had that draw. So what and, kind of people? Uh, what kind of people? Like, who, who are those 150 yeah. people? Yeah, I'll t- so a, a lot of them so far have been educators at different levels. So we naturally have university educators. Like science and, educators? Or yep, like gen- science educators, okay. largely science-focused. Okay. Um, we have from from high schools, there's been quite a bit of interest from that, from, mm-hmm. from Manitoba. Uh, we have some principals and vice principals that have registered uh, teachers because they're, they need programs to mm-hmm. kind of... Uh, I, I think apply for money because it's a $300 registration fee for okay. non-students, 100 for students. And um, so, yeah, so I'm impressed by by how we've managed to amplify the word to, and that's due to our communication specialist that you probably contacted, Jennifer McRae. She's mm-hmm. really amazing on social media cha- um, channels and otherwise getting the word out. So, um, yeah, so there's quite a few from you know, lower than the, I don't know what the term is. It's not post-secondary education. I should know it, but high school, basically. High, um, oh, yeah. yeah, secondary. So what do you call it at the high, secondary? Yeah. yeah, there you go. Secondary, and I don't know, in early years, I guess you call it. So I, I deduced from that. I'm not a scientist. Yeah. 
but I just I don't know. No, it's okay. I it's funny, the, but I, I took always post secondary, and then I removed yeah. removed removed post. Post. Okay. And that left me a secondary. Well, high, <laughs> high school seems to be the main because I don't think we yeah. have anything from early years that I've noticed. But there's quite okay. a few high school. Would that be um, good? Teachers. Like if somebody who came from elementary level? Sure, like, be great. I mean, I think that the sooner people start yeah. thinking of these things, we keep talking about that because you know. Even just say with the northern communities, if they they often don't have a full suite of science offerings at the upper level, like mm-hmm. they just won't have a teacher that can teach grade 12 physics and chemistry and biology, you okay. might get one or, you know, and so it's hard to make that up when you come to university. Yeah. Uh, um, it, it really needs to happen not yeah. even just at high school, but earlier, like the, the sooner the programming can be equivalent or as close to equivalent as possible, Mm -hmm. the better. So because it's hard to play catch up, right, with math. And we're going to find that with the kids in COVID that have had homeschooling and that, you know, that that there's been that gap. So it's not like you just... But it's still good. I don't know. It's even good because I didn't go to university, but I made sure when I left high school, I had all double O courses. And Mm -hmm. I took uh, whatever, like physics and maths and and all those... But it, it serves you well, even if you don't follow it up in university. So that's kind, Absolutely. Of, that's kind of critical when the kids are already in school and attending school. Ab- you might as well I, fill their heads up. Absolutely. Because, yeah, yeah you, you just you have better, like, critical um, judgment, right? You mm-hmm. know, like that ability to read through things and to Well, it allows me to talk to people yeah. like you and not yeah, that yeah. sound like a and moron. you're very well-spoken. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Exactly. something a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah. And and yeah and and read information and take it in and mm-hmm. and you've got that all that foundational um, and things and then you can always learn more yeah. be self directed so absolutely yeah. so so we would be very interested um, in in having any age school I think I think that's been really exciting to see so many people mm-hmm. um, from the you know earlier years from from university that have that have registered we have people from the government we have people from industry so really of that 80 we are super excited that it's not just you know university of manitoba is great that we could get those but the 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 breadth and we've got one person registered from the yukon we've got some coming up from the u.s and that so uh we're managing to get the message out about it for promotion and we're excited about that so and again this is like you know we're still sitting on the edge of covid so yeah. to get this kind of uptake 11 weeks out is it's very positive i so, told you covid's over we're this po- yeah. post covid <laughs> we'll take the Sounds post from secondary and put take it, it. Move it over to COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so it'll be interesting to see what the final numbers mm. end up being yeah well I- yeah, I wish you great success because this is a, it, it, you're right, it's the kind of thing that should seep down through all levels at some yes. point. And, and hopefully this will be the start of that and the people that do attend will just be, yes. you know, so pumped to have another one and another one. That's or, that's that's it, yeah, yeah, like it becomes kind of that flagship thing and then yeah. it's successful yeah. and then, you know, we're... Um, We've got quite a bit of AV services booked to, you know, try to film some of the talks where people are agreeable mm-hmm. to that. And so we can hopefully catalog some of the great information that people mm-hmm. are sharing in the, as the speakers and that and and continue to to broadcast the, the messages. And again, not just for promotion for us, but truly just because I think there's yeah. going to be some really profound sharing of information and thoughts and views and perspectives. So the more we can, we can, cause it, like I keep getting back to just with 
in the last two years working with the Wawate program and more the Indigenous side of things and mm-hmm. that. Like, I'm just, it's just shifting my whole way of looking at everything and it's great and it's something I need to do more of and even it's just also making me more aware of the land and nature and, yeah. you know, all like, it's like sort of like take, take, taking the time to take a breath and appreciate things a little bit more. I'll tell you too, there was a, anyway, there's an indigenous connect meeting that we have once a month for all people across the campus that have any kind of connection or interest in, 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 in indigenous perspectives. And uh, there's always a presenter and, and someone was from a, architecture and he's working on a forest school which I'd heard about this concept but it's basically I think you know the students are in nature and there is a an actual site and everything but it's Mm -hmm. on the border of Ontario and and Manitoba and it was just it was just so moving the students were all working together and they had some projects but and they were building Mm -hmm. they were building centers it was architecture focused um for a community like a sharing circle and that but the students were like there was a fox that was came and visited every day. Yeah. And so they were making like an offering to the fox, you know, of berries and this beautiful little leaf bowl that they had made. Like it was mm. just so Different. spiritual. Like it yeah. was just such an appreciation yeah. for every creature, like that everything has a purpose and a spot on the earth with equal right to be there, you know, mm-hmm. type thing, like a respect. Yeah. And they were... I think they had an offering for the trees. It was just so different than the way that I look at things. Mm-hmm. And I just thought I really could use a little more of that in my life. Just that looking yeah. out even of my window and just, you know, mm-hmm. taking a breath and a moment and living in the moment and appreciating what's out there and what we have. You're looking through the other end of the microscope now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm hoping that like, that these three days are going to be like a concentrated dose of that for me. And I'm really excited. And I think for other people, and we've also started at the university and the faculty of science, Merle Ballard is again, our indigenous scholar who's really, she's just got a lot of drive. And so a fireside chats um, with, with uh, indigenous people and, um, I didn't get to see it because I was teaching a class, but our Dean of Science introduced him and it was on Friday and he goes at the end, he was, it was an hour and a half and I was like tearing up at the end. Yeah. Like it was just so moving. Like, I think it's just so different yeah. than the way that we look at things, you know, like it's yeah. just so much more clinical and sterile, right? Of a talk and that, and it, I think it's just so human and so yeah. real and we need that. Like we, and we need have to those be emotions. to the earth. Yeah. They're just not touched yeah. all the time in that way. No. Yeah. No, exactly. So that's where I think there's going to be a lot of that at this conference. I think I'm going to need a lot of Kleenexes. I think there's going to be a lot of pulling at my heartstrings and yeah. and I and I hope, you know, really making solid connections with people. So I see it happening and I think it's going to happen. So it just did my best guess. <laughs> my intuition, my, my gut check says that there's going to be a lot, a lot of that, um, of, of caring, of worrying about the world, of worrying about how to educate young people and how we can do a better job and that. So that's one of my hopes for this conference. And then we lay a solid foundation and we continue to do more of it, both in the Faculty of Science on a day-to-day basis and another, you know, more conferences to come. My last question, my last and final mm-hmm. question, and then I'll let you get back to um, my um, sterile clinical world. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but dreaming of forests. <laughs> yeah, that's a better thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, does this? Okay, this is an, an inaugural conference like this to lead to more conferences, to lead to more 
and and knowledge gathering and, and uh, like putting it together does this find its way into curriculum that you, that will find its way into educational systems at, at various levels I think so I I know I, I really do I know within the Faculty of Science we are trying to put together some materials uh, again led by Roger Duby and that to try to empower um, you know our educators for different approaches in that. And, and I think, I, I mean, I can't speak to the curriculum in the high school. I don't know how that's, how that's set, but I think the fact that we have uh, those educators coming in attendance shows that there's an appetite for it and, and that it ultimately will start moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. I know we are, we are purposely working towards that in the faculty of science, but again, I can't speak to that at the, at the earlier years, but I, I'm imagining that 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 is part of the whole truth and reconciliation. You know, mm-hmm. it's putting that into the into the curriculum, rewriting some of the or uh, re or addressing some of the incorrect things. You know, that mm-hmm. ap- appear in the in the textbooks and that at the earlier years. Certainly, I'm barely aware of it, but when I drive in and listen to to podcasts and the news, sometimes it mm-hmm. sounds like there's some pretty uh, pretty erroneous things, and quite honestly, things that even I wasn't aware of as being incorrect. <laughs> like yeah. you know, because that was what I was fed when I was going through school. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. okay, I have, I have. It's the old saying: the more you know, the more you realize you don't know, and yep. and that's certainly <laughs> the truth with this. It's like I think it's the tip of the iceberg of my understanding of of indigenous ways and history and and what's been done because the history that I was fed when I was going through it was obviously mm-hmm. quite sterilized and, and quite off base on many, on many facets. And so yeah. I, I have a lot, a lot to learn myself. Yeah. There's a lot of that Victor writes the history books kind of stuff going on. Yes. And, yes. Uh, yeah, and we need to empower Aboriginal people here in indigenous cultures and, you know, move past like even the idea of a reservation system and, and these kind of, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they're not, why are these people set aside? This is ridiculous. And the more they come into our culture, the more they're educated into it and assimilate. You see, like, wow, these are, you know, there's some real high level stuff going on. So, you yeah, know, it's, it's, it, it would be inspiring to say, OK, let's let's find a new system of, uh, yeah. in, of reincorporating people and, um, and empowering and empowering a whole society. Absolutely. And if you ever are interested, I'm happy to chat with you on another occasion about our Wawate program. Oh, I am. Yeah. It's, for, um, it's for Indigenous students in science coming in. And basically, I'll just give you a very high level, but we've just last summer was our first intake. We only had three students because the pandemic was Anyway, I'll just mm-hmm. say we got a late start and whether we were even going to able to start it or not due mm-hmm. to the pandemic. So it was very last minute. But the, the whole point of it is, is that we are fostering wraparound supports for Indigenous students um, where we um, provide early exposure to research because research can often ignite in a passion for science, you know, mm-hmm. when you kind of see things happening. Yep. But it's very much community driven. Mm-hmm. So if they're coming from different communities and there's a specific problem or something of interest, then we try to figure out ways to partner with the community to, to have a research project that addresses that problem. So, um, and then the hope is that the students also can continuously interact, you know, with the communities and develop an appreciation for science because 
again, this is more from what I'm told, is that with Indigenous communities, particularly First Nations, there's there's a an awareness and a, an appreciation for, say, what a teacher does, for what a social worker does, um, for what a doctor does, and that. So mm-hmm. certain aspects of science, but not science, fundamental science right. per se, is a bit of a... Uh, so there's a bit of distrust. And so the idea is to... Um, to really, you know, make it a shared partnership with the community of, you know, that they're maybe promoting students to come down to us or helping us to mm-hmm. uh, recruit them. We we have a six-week summer orientation where the students stay on campus before they start University One, and then um, they acclimate to the campus. And then we have programming every day for the six weeks. They do a research project. They meet researchers. We have professional development workshops. Mm-hmm. And then um, nice. and then we have a tailored academic program for them developed. So they get a lot of one-on-one advising, like, what are you interested in? We help them pick up courses and register in that. So a little more hands-on than what, say, the average person from high school would get. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then there's a cohort, like they go through this is the, the long-term plan, is that they continue to have research experiences all the way through in the summer, as well as we have special research courses we've developed for the students. And um, and then a little more professional development and um, community, like not community, but cohort things that they do together, okay. you know, so that they're, they're working as a group a lot of times, or we have social activities and that. So mm-hmm. just so that there's a feeling of connectivity, um, because from what we're learning it seems like students can feel very isolated you know if you yeah. if your home yeah. community is 500 people and the university of manitoba is 26,000 yeah. you know that's pretty overwhelming so it's to, to try to ultimately 26,000 my gosh yeah that's i a, know crazy it's a right city in the city I know. So it's to really foster Indigenous yeah. student success that's the that's point nice, of the yeah. program they get so, to hang out um, with oz behind the curtain right yeah exactly doctors aren't mysterious exactly. anymore yeah <laughs> So if you were ever interested, we're happy mm-hmm. to, because, you know, we're trying to promote the program and that, and it's, it's kind of in line with a lot of the other things that I've been talking about with the conference, but we're, we're working very, very hard as a faculty. I would say it's one of our main priorities is really to embrace Indigenous perspectives into our teaching and research philosophies and approaches, as well as to try to, we realize that it's a, you know, some students have a steeper hill to climb in others mm-hmm. just because of where they come from. Um, maybe what maybe what high school, you know, courses were offered at senior levels, they might not have had physics and chemistry in that, so they might mm-hmm. need some additional supports with tutoring in that. So it's just trying to do a little more tailored programming and, and support so that they know that they belong here and we want them here mm-hmm. and we're doing everything we can to, to help them succeed. So Maybe they can take some engineering courses and then they can fix that river up north that hydro turned around that's killing all the sturgeon now. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. And well, and that's an environmental bit. slant too yeah. as well, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it. They may weed off into different um, different faculties. There's if, if students get through and graduate or end up with some kind of a, a, a decent job where mm-hmm. they're happy in that, then it's success for us, honestly. Yeah. like Running hydro, just, uh, that's a good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Being the premier. That's a good job. <laughs> That'd you know, be a good job. Yeah. Get a view of them. Get some more. Yeah. There's lots of good jobs out there that, that are aspirational for sure. And they're all within yeah. reach. I mean, somebody else got there, you know, lots of well, other people did. got there, so you can get there too, right? And I think also, you know, having Indigenous scholars helps in that regard too. Yeah. That old saying, if you see it, you can be it. Yeah. Thing. 
So it's important to have people in in from different walks of life and different backgrounds and that mm-hmm. represented in in roles. And so absolutely. So I th- I think that has made a big difference too. And and we've had students saying that the three Walwate scho- well, scholars and that they're like, we didn't even think it'd be possible to get yep. to university, and now you know we can see mm-hmm. ourselves doing grad studies already because you know we've been in research labs and we love yeah. it and that. And it's like it's all part of it. It's exposure. It's telling them that they belong there. That that they can do it. Yeah. And then you light that passion and excitement and then, you know, the world's your oyster, right? Because you feel like you can achieve it. So Exactly. And you change yeah. other people's minds too. And then yes. they see you differently and then a whole culture can shift and not be yep. so exclusionary. Yep. And we can open our everybody can open their arms and say, look, we can get along. Yep. And save yep. the world Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so huge eye openers there. Huge um Huge opportunities, huge, huge, huge opportunities. And we're going to, I uh, got some names from Dr. Caveat, from ter- Terry, Dr. Terry, and we are going to follow up guaranteed on these. And we're going to have some good conversations. And um, because we're sustainable, we'll be coming back again with the next interview. And uh, this is a worldwide endeavor. So tell your friends, anybody who has an interest in the old Manitobaville can um yeah opportunities for interviews worldwide and opportunities for just to get people listening tuning in seeing what's happening okay so again this conference is happening uh check it out and um yeah the show notes we got the link indigenous science conference is happening june 14th to 16th of this year 2022 and visit the uh event site it is at event.com four waves that's four spelled out four waves.com and let me see the end of it slash turtle island 2022 slash pages and that'll take you right there and you can uh, follow all the links to buy tickets uh, to the event and learn more about it so again thank you dr terry um we will be hopefully talking again at some point too down down the way and we'll see what kind of impacts this conference has had because this is of interest to all of us. Okay, and again, I was going to tell you about the magic word. It's Manitobaville, social medias, podcatchers, website, manitobaville.ca. Uh, make a donation to us to keep doing this if you want. If you don't want, then uh, suggest some stories to us. Take part, be a part of it. We don't mind. We are all-inclusive and uh, unitified. We are unitified in this endeavor. Okay, so this is Mahangel for Mantobaville podcast saying, see you next time. And remember, we are copyright 2022 Rodeo Road Studios. Mm-hmm.